the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. This is Tyson Mutrix. I'm Jim Hacking, and you're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Run your law firm the right way. way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And uh, Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, welcome to the show. We're glad you remembered to join us. We have a great guest today, and he's excited to share his wisdom and knowledge, and we're glad you're able to join us. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that twice, because I was late for the show, because I completely blanked on the time. So, yeah, I'm here. I'm. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate yeah. it, Jim. Yeah. Hey, first time, long time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. First time, long time. Well, our guest today is Ty Shepard. He's a bankruptcy lawyer down in Huntsville, Alabama, where our good friend Mo Lilienthal is. Ty, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Ty, I think that this episode is long overdue. So let people know a little bit about you, your background and uh, your journey to today. Yeah, sure. So I've been a lawyer now for about 10 years and going through law school. I know a lot of people feel like they really wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I remember back during school, really liking law school, really enjoying the classes themselves. But a lot of but what I didn't really enjoy was the sense of competitiveness that I think school put into you and specifically how people, there was such a drive towards going towards wanting to work at the most prestigious firm, the big firms. And I just, I wasn't really interested in any of that at all. So in my undergraduate years, my background was more, I, you know, I wasn't very career prepared. I was like an American studies major and I don't majored in religious studies. And so coming in law school, I spent like, one of my summers working in D.C. with the State Department, and then my last semester of law school, specifically, uh, I was working in the American Embassy in Jamaica, and I thought I was going the Foreign Service career. I had spent, that's all I kind of took the courses related to. That's all I really did, and uh, took my tests. I was on this career path, so excited, and um, my security clearance got held up because it, was, it just took a year and a half to go through processing. And I remember back to that time to, like, we were going to like move to DC, just find a job and hold it out. And I needed $500 for a deposit on an apartment. And my dad's like, you can figure this out on your own. And I remember going to my grandparents and asking them to borrow the money. And they're like, they thought about it. They said yes. And they're like, mm, no, no, you, you're, this will build character for you. 
And so I couldn't get the money to move to D.C., well, to hold it out. And in the meantime, I came back here to Huntsville and started working for my dad. My dad's a lawyer here doing odd stuff here and there, waiting on this clearance, waiting on this clearance. And in the meantime, it took maybe if, if I started in, in September through October, February of that year, I started working. My, my wife and I got married. She's a lawyer. She got a clerkship here. And we got to this position where we realized our life is pretty good here in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, knowing what the cost of living would be and career would look like, I, uh, we decided just to turn that down and to stay here. So we've uh, been, been in Huntsville since, and it was kind of weird coming back. And uh, I live down the street now from my parents. Never thought I was going to be around here. Didn't think I was going to work with my dad. I never took a bankruptcy course. Didn't really take any litigation courses. But we've just kind of been here since and built and built. And I've been kind of on this path of, um, I guess, entrepreneurship and being somewhat self-employed, never intending to, but enjoying it. Now I couldn't imagine going back and being in a large government bureaucracy and trying to grind it out there. That's great. So tell us about your firm setup. What's your firm do? What's your role in the firm? And what kind of a team do you have? Yeah. So our team now, and that's something that's been interesting to me is how a law firm changes over time and how your practice can change over time. So for the longest time, I was very much bankruptcy focused and bankruptcy litigation. And we got hit hard in the bankruptcy practice by COVID specifically in that I was doing business bankruptcy cases and a lot of our debtors who were reorganizing their business when COVID hit, a lot of them failed. A lot of them just started converting to seven, we had to like shut down their cases and we got hit with big write-offs. And during that time, my dad's been transitioning out of the practice some, and he's had some health issues that have, it's been to a position of whether or not I was ready to step up, I had to step up. And since then, my, my wife used to be in-house counsel with a uh, electronics company, left that during the pandemic and has come on with us and working with me here. And it's been the biggest thing I've shared up to other people. It's been like the biggest blessing for us to have to work with my wife, work with my spouse and to come in here and kind of try to build a, build a practice together around, around us. So right now our setup is, I think we have six full-time people and about another five to six part-time and remote VAs. And we're bringing on more VAs, more remote either remote attorneys who are helping us with like me with legal writing stuff or now VA is helping us with our processes and procedures. So when it comes to your tech stack and things like that, tell us about your tech stack. I'm really curious to see how that works with everything you're doing and everything that's going on. Yeah. So like for us right now, that one of the, the interesting things that I've seen in a, for a moment of transition is trying to move when working with, especially with, with VAs and we've had a lot of, success with overseas VAs of people who are very smart, hardworking, and like want the work and want to work with like an American company because it's like to them, it's, it's, it's a big deal. But the biggest challenge we've had is like when people aren't really used to the U.S. legal system or have any idea of like postage codes are and things is trying to get them integrated into the system. And we've bounced around between legal softwares. And one thing that we've been, we've realized for us, at least things like the, you know, Clio's or Locus or anything that's built specifically for legal isn't fully going to do it for us. So our stack has been moving away from those types of projects and specifically to adopting 
Monday for a lot of our in the case work and trying to build out those automations. And I've realized what I actually like doing is working on the automations, working on that, trying to working on the flow of the cases and using uh, task management software for managing the, the in the case work. We still use uh, right now Lawmatics for our CRM before the case work, but even then, tacking on little software here and there that have gotten us away from that. But I think for someone who had no background in computer science or anything like that, love Zapier, love like tinkering in it. So it's, it's been fun to kind of bolt on a little, little programs here and there and try to figure out how we can work together. And like I said, with non-desperate native English speakers, getting them on these systems, having to use VPNs and such to get everything to work. Ty, you've been a member of the Guild for a while now. Can you tell everyone a little bit about your experience in the Guild? And then I know that you had a really good time at the uh, mastermind that we had before the conference in June last year. Yeah, so I joined the Guild in December 2020. And it was, for me, I came to the podcast maybe a year or so before that, started listening to it. And uh, in this like truncated space of like really connecting and just with the message you guys put out there digesting it and eventually for me i decided the next step was probably was to try the guild was to join it see what it's like joined it and i would say this is the most like-minded community for me of like growth focused and really supportive lawyers that i've ever encountered i've been very involved with the state bar and local bar and and everything and those were not really communities that worked well for me but i've just really enjoyed at least at the, within the guild, everyone is nice. Everyone is helpful. It's been a great group that I think I've learned the most of the last year and a half, just reading everyone's comments and from each other. The next step for that was to go to the conference in St. Louis. And um, that really took things to another level of meeting people in person, having those like late night conversations and just like learning about people's experiences at a much deeper level when people are willing to share their vulnerabilities and share what works and specifically what doesn't work has been eye-opening and helpful. And I've, I mean, there's, there's people in the guild who, who I text almost every day with like questions back and forth. And it's these relationships are not the kind of things I think you experience, even with collegiality in the bar and like people will just share and they'll just talk. And it's so nice to have a group of people to bounce ideas off of and to feel like, to feel like you have a sense of community that's much bigger than just the local friends and colleagues and competition that, that you can, that you have in your area. You just mentioned community. It just made me think of something. What are some of the things you do in your community to help uh, promote your firm? Cause when, especially whenever you're in a smaller town, I, I can tell you St. Louis versus Columbia is significantly different. You know, it's that Columbia, the marketing is much more community oriented than St. Louis is. It's just the way we've got to do things. So I wonder it, when it comes to your firm, marketing your firm, when it comes to community, how do you market the firm? Yeah. So for my main practice areas since I've been here, the, like the business bankruptcy stuff, it, it was all referral based really from lawyers at regional firms who had conflicts and couldn't really, because they represent, say, banks, they can't necessarily be adverse to those banks. We're happy to be adverse to banks. So it was like working with being very involved in the Bar Association, being involved in the state bar, and building up friendships and relationships with these regional lawyers to where they would think of us as like the go-to people, at least first locally. And then I started you know, trying to build it up, build up the practice, try to work on some more regional cases. And it was the same thing. It was very much lawyer relationships. At least recently, since, since my wife has come, we've 
bounced around. Her background was business transactional. We tried to really find a way to do that on a smaller scale. And, and it works to an extent, but it was a talk I had with a guild member with uh, Russ Nesevich, who graciously talked to me for an hour and a half one day as he was driving home about estate planning. And I had no background in estate planning. My wife didn't either. But just talking it through with him realized something clicked, that there's an opportunity here, that there's we're in an area that's, that's a lot of growth. A lot of people are moving in. And people coming here from California, coming here from uh, the D.C. area, they don't know any lawyers. And, like, to go where every other lawyer is, to, like, the Chamber of Commerce stuff, to the, you know, to the Bar Association, you're not going to – that's not where the clients are. And that really opened the, our eyes that there was a D2C opportunity for us marketing specifically in these, neighborhood, these neighborhoods that are being built up of people moving in. And a lot of that through digital, a lot of that through targeted PPC to those zip codes. And that's where we've had so much growth and opportunity is that there is this, like I said, this community. And I think this is in every town of people who come in, they don't know any lawyers, but they still need our services and they don't know where to go. So trying to meet them where they are and make a direct offer to them has been such a change from like going to every like breakfast with people, shaking hands and just hoping for the referral to like finding the consumers and making the offer directly to them. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcast and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. We're talking today with Ty Shepard. He's a bankruptcy lawyer in Huntsville, Alabama. We're happy to have him with us. Ty, have you have you drilled down to identify even further where those people are, what the avatar is? How do you find, like for me, to find immigrants, I can find the people that you know know immigrants. How do you find the people that know that they're in debt and might need bankruptcy help? Yeah, so the first time I was really trying to draw down and get a niche on the business bankruptcy side was for us was that I've been in a practice area where I'd say statewide, the number of competitors we have can be counted on two hands. It's a narrow, narrow group of people, businesses that would be in that, say, two to $15 million in revenue range, like, say, a hotel or a manufacturer who would need that reorganization. And again, finding that, being willing to commit down to just do that and being willing to message to people that we don't, we're not going to compete with the regional law firms on their other commercial lit cases or their corporate transactional, opened up the ability to get those referrals. And I think trying to take that same attitude to now trying to build an estate planning practice, it's, we don't, I don't want to do elder law care. I don't want to learn Medicare planning. And that's not the clients we're going for. What we found is people, again, relocating here with say two to three kids. You know, we have a client avatar we developed up of they work for the federal government. They have again, two to three kids. They've moved here from out of state. They are between the ages of uh, 35 and 50 years old. So they've had some experience with estate planning. They know the need here and trying to, and they're within these certain income brackets where they can afford the services that we're trying to offer. 
and at least setting up that person trying to drill down who they are, what they look like, and what they like. We get people outside that range, but really focusing on that person has helped tremendously with getting a, a message that I think resonates with people. Ty, talk about the clarity, like the mindset that you have once you have that clarity around your avatar and the, and the type of client you're going to go after. Because I imagine your mindset was way different and things were a lot more chaotic prior to that, having that clarity, but maybe not. I could be wrong about that. So talk about your mindset change. Oh, I think that it's, that's the funny thing about mindset, right? Is it's, it's iterative in nature. It's consistently developing and I know at least that, like initially for us, it's like you think, okay, if I'm going to do something and even within a practice area, I'm going to focus on one specific person or type. Is this going to work? Am I going to fall on my face? Are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Is this too narrow? But when, after working with a variety of cases and figuring out who do we like the best, not just who like will pay it, who's the easiest clients who require the least amount of handholding who we want, like, and want to serve and drawing a diagram around those people. It is eye-opening because I think no matter where you are, what you're doing, there's a huge group of, of people who can fit within that. And when you know who that is and like going back to say whatever your marketing copy is and like really refining it down just to speak to them, you feel like you're having a, oh, people call you. They feel like they're having a one-on-one conversation with you. They feel like, like you know them. They say that you message them in a way that like actually resonates and it's not just our AV rated lawyers have 150 years combined experiences winning cases and we do dog bites and we do landlord tenant and just stuff that doesn't resonate with people. You're actually writing about who they are and relating your own story. Like with trying to talk about how we as parents know what it's like to be a parent, you know, know that, know about the need for a, a guardianship if something happens. It just, it resonates with people, I think in a way that generic marketing doesn't. And it lets you know who you are and what you need to, communicate to your audience to push them towards doing something to, to working together. You mentioned practicing law with your spouse. I practice law with my spouse. It's an adventure for sure. It's an, it, it's hard not to let the work come into the house and the house come into the work, but we've seen to make it work. And I'm wondering if you have any tips for anyone or any thoughts on that adventure. Yeah, it is deeply rewarding. And at first was a bit terrifying to think, you know, we spend all day together. And the, the thing that has worked for us is to put ourselves in positions where we don't step on each other's toes. And in our practice or, or in related to this thing that we're building together, getting more and more into estate planning, I don't do any legal work. I don't meet with clients. I don't prepare their documents. That's not my purview. I think of myself as support and back office. She's the client facing one. And that's been great for us to really separate those roles out where I think we each have our clear lanes and I get to work on what I like, which is, you know, writing copy and tinkering with automations and software and such. And she gets to actually be more of the client facing lawyer. And so by separating those things out, there's, we still get to talk about our issues together. We still get to work through things, but I feel like we each have our roles and responsibilities. And like that, doing, building out an accountability chart and saying, What's in, what's in my bucket of, of tasks, what's in her bucket of tasks, what's in other people's buckets makes it so that we don't step on each other's shoes and like get in each other's way. But to anyone who's in a position that could work together and, and would, would like to, I'd push them to try it because I think it's, it's been ext- extremely rewarding for us. And same thing, like working with my dad here before, I think we stepped on each other's shoes a little bit until we kind of figured out, until I started doing something different than what he did, was able to build a practice separate from him. 
I wonder what the vision is for the firm going forward and, and who's guiding that vision. Yeah. And that's, uh, that is something that is a difficult to quantify in some ways because I have, you know, I work through things like uh, attraction a couple of times and it's hard in the sense that like from where we are, it really is two different. It, it's been like two different law firms kind of bolted together. And as I see it, I more and more want to get out of the bankruptcy stuff. I'm trying to wind these cases down because I've realized it is trading it is fee for hours. There's a definite cap at what we can do and how much we can build before we, we cap out. And the thing that I like about getting more into the estate stuff is that like, it's so much more systematizable and we've just, it's grown a lot faster. And so when it comes to vision, it's, I see our roles as complementary to each other, but I'm, like I said, I'm focused more on the backing and the marketing stuff. And she's focused much more on, on the legal services. But at the end of the day, it really is. She owns 100% of her firm. I don't own anything. I am an employee. And that is, I like that role. I like that feeling of knowing that I can make suggestions and she can trump things. So she's the boss. I'm not the boss. And that's a great way for us, at least, to work together. All right. All right. Well, that's really good stuff. I think that having sort of the clear lanes is really important. I think that's true in general, that there's so much bleeding over from one person to another. I remember early on when Adela was onboarding like employee number four or five, she made this offhand comment. Oh, we all sort of do the same thing around here. And I knew that A, that was true. And B, that was bad. So I think that whole staying in the same lane routine is exactly right. Yeah. And like, I, mean, I was just thinking the less we do competing with each other and the, the less, like the more we feel like we have a role, the more that we can focus, you know, kind of on, on building and doing things like, for instance, I'm going to be interviewing an employee for her this afternoon. She didn't have to worry about it. It's like, she's going to have final say approval, but like, because we're not, the less you're tied up on doing some of these, like the little things in work, it frees you up to work on the bigger things. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm hopeful is that as we continue to grow that I'm trying to do as little as I can so that I can be freed up to try new things and push work down and that we'll have more opportunities to like see where this goes and really build this to as big as we want it to a business that fits our lifestyle versus, you know, the other way around of, of having to like constantly fit in your life around the demands of work. I love that you have crafted a, a firm around your life and, and what you all want for the future. I think that's really awesome. I think that it's, that's a lesson for everybody to learn. We do need to wrap things up. I want to remind everyone to go to the big Facebook group. There's a lot of great information being shared on a daily basis. If you have a question, just post it in the group and you'll have a lot of friendly answers and helpful answers. If you want a more high level conversation, join us in the guild, go to maxlawguild.com. Make sure you also join us at the conference, maxlawcon2022.com, maxlawcon2022.com. Get your tickets now and please while you're listening to the rest of this episode give us a five-star review jimmy what's your hack of the week right before monty and i got married i read this book called men are from mars women are from venus or something like men are, women are from venus i don't remember what it was but it was the first time that amani and i had ever talked about how our personalities were different and that book gave us a language to talk about how our personalities were different without blaming each other for how our personalities were different Shortly after we got married, we did a thing called the people map, which was just sort of like a one day thing where we sort of learned even more about ourselves. And then, you know, of course, now in our firm, we have every single employee and contractor complete 
a Colby index A, a Colby index A. And that gives us a real quick shorthand in talking about, oh, well, of course, Amani would want 12 details about this. She's a nine fact finder. Or of course, Jim would drop the ball on something because he's a, a three follow through. So it gets to where you can talk about how people are and where their energy and strength is without there being like blame or shame or anything. And then this week I was talking to two different members of the guild about their firms and one of them works with their dad. So, you know, Ty works with his dad and Ty and I both work with our spouses. So, you know, you have a family situation there that, that brings its own levels of complexity, but her father is a high fact finder. So when she gives him something to do, she sort of wants him to do it, but he wants to find out all the facts, right? So I can't tell you how often internally at our firm and when I'm talking to law firm owners in the guild and outside of the guild, how important having that ability to talk about how people are without judgment and just say, yeah, of course, that's that makes sense because then you don't have all that negative energy and you're not like, walking away mad because someone's not the way you want them to be or the way you are. All right, Jimmy, that is uh, really good advice. I like that hack. Ty, what is your tip or hack of the week? Okay. So uh, as a lawyer, I love to give unsolicited advice. So <laughs> I was thinking back to something that has stood out to me was a, as listening to the like Tim Ferriss show on and off over the year, there's, he used to ask his guests, if you could write something on a billboard, what would it be? And Mark Andreessen speaking specifically about the context of like startups, like tech startups, gave some advice that I think also applies so much to lawyers. And that would be, if there's one thing you can do, it's raise prices. I think we all get stuck in this view of like thinking of ourselves, like, you know, comparing ourselves, what do people down the street charge? And you just think of yourself as a commodity and you think of yourself as if, um, you know, you can't stand out from the pack, but our positioning is a function of pricing and pricing is a functioning of positioning. And by making ourselves the price leader in our market, we stand out from the crowd. And so I think, you know, like we're recording this in February, 2022, there was seven half percent, CPI inflation last quarter, you have an excuse, raise prices. So if there's any ways you can do it, pass those costs along. That is one of the best tips I've heard in a long time because it is, and it's hard for people to do it, but just do the freaking math, people. Do the math and you're like, okay, I can add a ton of money to my bottom line just by, even if you do a, a small increase, just a small increase, right? We went from a third to 35% on our fees like that is over time a pretty significant number. So just small little incremental increases can make a huge difference. I think that's a fantastic uh, bit of advice. My tip of the week is to, you know, I was yesterday I was on my phone and I was like, I got so many damn apps on my phone. I just need to declutter. So my tip is to declutter your phone, go through and delete all those damn apps that you don't use anymore. Just go get rid of them. What's that uh, minimalist uh, thing where you, if you uh, have not used it in the last three months and you're not going to use it next three months, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of all those damn apps, declutter your life. So that is my tip of the week. Ty, thank you so much for coming on. Been a lot of fun. I wish we had another hour and a half with you to, to talk about you and your journey and, and the future of your firm. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ty. See you, buddy. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. 
go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.